Welcome back to another episode of Out of Home Insider, the loudest voice in Out of Home. Today's guest is Mahul Mandalia. Mahul is the co-founder and head of product at Moving Walls, a company that has taken on the challenges of connecting the fragmentation of several Southeast Asian out-of-home markets. They've gotten a platform specifically for buyers. They've created tools for media owners. And in ways, it felt like I was talking to potentially even my future self uh, as some of the things that we're taking on at one screen, Moving Walls has obviously already navigated in their quest to connect out of home on a global scale. So this is a really exciting episode for me to finally get the opportunity to talk to Mahul on the record. We've had several off the record conversations that were really exciting. So we talk about everything, the challenges of connecting the international infrastructure of out of home. Uh, what should the roles be of the uh, the, the trade bodies in, in advocating for a currency for out of home. This one's got it all. Uh, asked all the questions that were on my mind. So I hope that you enjoy this one. Without further ado, let's go. Welcome, everybody, to the Out of Home Insider Show, a podcast like no other, hosted by the one and only Tim Rowe. Get ready to have some knowledge dropped on you and to be entertained because nothing's more valuable than food for your brain. So sit back, relax, we're about to dive in as the best industry podcast is about to begin. Mahul Mandalia, co-founder, head of product at Moving Walls. We connected, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, but we've been in the same circles for what's probably been going on in over a year, and it's really exciting to finally connect, so... Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, Tim. Yeah, like you said, we've been I've been looking around, I've been I've been following your stuff, and it's just an honor to finally be on what's probably the only out of home uh, podcast that reaches our shores. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah, and I am just equally excited to talk to you because when we had that first conversation, it felt like I was talking to my future self because. So much of what we're undertaking at one screen and so much of what other, you know, platforms, DSPs, SSPs, just any sort of tech innovators inside of out of home have undertaken, there's this sort of rite of passage. There's a there's an order of operations that takes place and there's these certain things you have to check off. So as we were talking and you were saying these things, I was just like, oh my gosh, we we have to unpack this and, and go deeper. So Probably a good place to start is just, how'd you get into out of home? It's always an interesting story, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the funniest thing because I like to think of it as if I accidentally got into out of home media. So I, I've not been someone who is probably like an industry veteran started as a media owner or on the agency side or anything like that. I actually used to be a writer. So uh, I used to write. Uh, you know, content copy for a, for a bunch of different firms, uh, and then this opportunity came up to to uh, you know start up with uh, Moving Walls. So at that time, we're a very young company. Uh, we we're doing a few things in Malaysia where we had uh, you know we were powering some of the biggest digital out of home screens. Probably a decade ago, when there weren't that many digital out of home screens in. Uh, Malaysia. So the opportunity came up to come in and, and write for them, uh, you know, just get into a few marketing things, create the website, create content, uh, you know, create all the, the different uh, demand generating decks for them. And, uh, you know, it's been seven years and uh, I can say I'm, I'm still learning about, about this space called out of home. So definitely accidentally 
uh, in this out of home space. But every year it's just been like something new. And, and that's really what's exciting about this space. It really is like every single day, there's something new yeah. I learn about. There's a new partner we get introduced to and for it leading up to, to us pressing record and, and kind of going live here, we were talking about like just the excitement of discovery and being an explorer. And it, it seems like people that find their way to out of home, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the vibe that out of home is like, if you are that eternal explorer, this is your sanctuary. We, we, we welcome all. Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear like that, that kind of journey. What was the dynamic in the market at the time? Why was it digital screens a decade ago? Right? Like we, we, we almost say that in passing, but like what was going on a decade ago? Because it seems like there's something there for us to learn here in the United States and, 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 and on this side of the globe from what, whatever was going on then. Yeah, I, I think definitely for the Southeast Asian markets, uh, the, the newer kind of more developing ones like Malaysia back then, it was it was the idea of just doing something different. Uh, and, and you saw the kind of digital screens that were being placed were kind of unique. So the ones that we were dealing with was to kind of recreate uh, Times Square, but in the heart of Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, we had set up like a screen that was uh, on, on a building going up uh, 20, 30 floors. And it was you know set up to be mirroring Times Square. And it was the idea was just to get people, you know, excited about the space because there was a whole activation space below where people could interact with the screens, play a bunch of different kinds of games, put their tweets up there, put their photos up there. So it was very, uh, I would say, you know, exploratory. We're just market was trying to figure out what to do with this out-of-home screen. Uh, and essentially, right in the beginning, they were being sold like any other piece of out-of-home media. Uh, you can come in as an advertiser, lock it down for, for one year, six months, uh, and you can do a bunch of other exciting stuff on this screen because it's a digital screen. And back then, you probably had like two to three options uh, of digital screens. And, and now it's like so much different, right? It's gone, you're looking into thousands of screens in all kinds of locations. So it was definitely right at that beginning, everyone was trying to figure out what are we gonna do with this thing? Uh, but even back then you could sense the opportunities because all of the initial campaigns that we were going into were was nothing like your regular, you know, just run an ad or run a video. It was stuff like uh, McDonald's uh, cre created a save the ice cream sundae game where uh, there was an ice cream sundae that was melting on the screen because Malaysia is a very hot place. And people were able to log in and uh, basically, you know, start spinning a fan on their phones and save that sundae from melting. Uh, and then they would get a voucher and immediately kind of uh, get their free ice cream at a McDonald's that was right next to that screen. So the whole journey, right, from awareness to interaction to, you know, the final purchase as well, was all done through an out-of-home screen. So definitely uh, this kind of, uh, it's it's amazing that right a decade ago, there were things like that being done. It's all about how we can scale it now. So there's a lot there that I want yeah. to touch on. I think everybody in the United States is is actually asking the question of the ice cream machines work in Malaysia at a McDonald's because that's a punchline here in the United States is that ice cream machines are always broken. So the fact that one, you could have done this on digital out of home a decade ago and two, 
that the ice cream machine worked and you could go get the ice cream cone and redeem the coupon is, is equally impressive. So a decade ago, we're doing really, really cool things like out of the box. It's a shotgun star. Everyone's scrambling off the, the starting line. And there's a lot of innovation going on. There's a lot of disruption. And that that's probably a forcing function as yeah. an industry in that, well, now I've got competition to the left and right of me. I've got to start to figure things out and get traction and start to scale. Where was like the first area that you focused? What was the first opportunity that you, you really leaned into and started to get traction with? Yeah, I, I think definitely the change came in when uh, in the beginning, there were all these exciting campaigns and, and brands always wanted to come in and say, what else can we do? What what new stuff can we do with these screens? So it eventually reached a point where brands weren't looking at this as a channel, you know, to actively invest in, but more like an activation channel. And we quickly realized one of the reasons for this was probably the lack of measurement, which, you know, funny, funnily enough, is, is still kind of an issue today. We, we still haven't fixed this in, in so many different markets. So we realized early on that measurement is probably the biggest piece uh, we had to solve if we wanted this uh, solution or this space to actually scale, especially in our market. So we did a bunch of stuff right in the beginning. We set up a measurement platform. We, we, uh, we used all the different data sources you can think of from cameras, the traffic data, getting people to do on-ground surveys, uh, looking at, you know, what's the viewing angle, what's the viewing distance, all that, you know, different stuff we looked at you know, eight, nine years ago. Uh, and it was really that measurement piece that brought a lot more attention uh, to the space, at least in our markets, and then helped us build other solutions on top of it. Because, you know, we could have very well, you know, built a marketplace and try to connect all the digital out-of-home screens together booking platform and so on. But at the end of the day, the biggest question is, you know, what am I investing in? If, I, if I'm investing into screens, then I, I want to do something exciting. I don't just want to run ads. Break that down. When we talk about measurement, like what was it that stuck? Everything that you described makes a ton of sense. Like what, was there a silver bullet? Is it just that it's a buffet and that, you know, brands are going to decide what makes sense for them? It, <laughs> I, I I I know that everyone like kind of like oh sighed because we were hoping that you'd come from the future with the answers yeah. of what we just needed to do. But like, what is it? What is it that that resonates? Yeah, I, I really hope there was one silver bullet. But you know, like you said, it was a <laughs> it was a buffet of things, and and it still is, you know, very much. And even when we look into advanced markets, yeah, you have currencies, but you also have. Uh, media owners, platforms providing their own data sets. So it, it's been really difficult to set up this single currency even across our market. So the biggest thing that uh, I would say stuck is a lot of education uh, to brands, to agencies of what kind of measurement is available in out-of-home. And, and it's something we had to keep going back and saying, this is available, this is what the data looks like. Uh, and, and the questions the questions that you get even today is what is the accuracy of this data, right? How how sure are you that these were the potential audiences exposed to? And 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 the simple answer really is that today you're investing in this media without really knowing much anyway. Right. So whatever you get as a data point is a delta change uh you know over whatever you were doing before. Uh, so it's it has really been about those initial brands who believed 
uh, in this as a solution who believed that some sort of measurement is better than no measurement at all. And that's kind of what we're seeing uh, kind of ball up and, and you know, create this uh, need for currency. And now we're seeing that across a lot of the markets that we are present in, the associations are looking to build that uh, single currency. And, and you have all the different stakeholders who are saying, yes, we need this currency now because the space has just become so huge that we can't choose to ignore it anymore. What, what do you see to be the leading horse for that currency? Because here we yeah. have we have a currency, we have geopath, and by and large, it's 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 the you know it's at least it's the what is it? I don't know if it's Visa or Mastercard, but it's accepted most places. Yeah. Um, so, geopath, I'm sorry if I've done you any disservice, <laughs> um, Dylan. I still love you. What are you What are you seeing to be that? Like, what is what is the the currency binder, if you will? Yeah, I, I think. Across most of the markets that we're present in, the efforts are being put in by industry associations. Uh, this could be different associations. So, for example, in the Philippines, we had the buy side uh, agencies association tie up with the sell side association and then say, let's work on a currency together. Uh, similar thing in, in Singapore, uh, in Malaysia, they've just launched a joint committee that's across a few associations to figure this out as well. So what's uh, what we can see generally happening is all these associations are coming together and saying we need this currency. Uh, and they're trying to evaluate different technology providers and trying to set up guidelines, uh, you know, similar to what you guys or a, a move in Australia or a route in the UK is doing. So it's still pretty much in that process. Uh, but definitely, it, it's going to need this sort of acceptance uh, for for this to be used or recognized uh, as a currency. And are those organizations are they building technology to uh, you know legitimize that currency, or are they focused on legitimizing the currency by championing yeah. what the currency yeah. is? It, it, they're definitely focused on, on legitimizing it. And in terms of technology, they're just looking to partner with solution providers. Uh, you know, they're just looking at who's providing what kind of data, right? So there's, there's all these different players now who are uh, present in APAC, you know, just not ourselves, but you know, there's camera analytics providers, there's, there's mobile data providers. So they're just trying to figure out what makes sense uh, and sort of put out a guideline and say any currency or anyone who comes in with this sort of uh, reach and impression metric should fit these uh, standards, right? So, so they're really much focused on just getting the uh, some acceptance first. And in terms of tech, they're trying to leave it out to some technology providers that they end up partnering with. It makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that to, to really legitimize that it, it should be a focused effort on, on, on exactly those things versus the technology side. And as we start to see more technology companies coming into the space here, I, I think that we're ultimately going to move that way, which uh, is a win for everybody. Um, when you think about that global landscape and, and where moving walls you know, has started, that's kind of unique into itself. Yeah. 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 Definitely unique because, uh, you know, and, and we were speaking about this before as well, right? So let's say five years, 10 years ago, we had this solution in these markets. So we had a measurement solution, we had 
uh, a planning buying solution. We had the whole programmatic stack. But back then, we were probably the only ones talking about it in these markets. So it's like, you know, you have to go in, educate, 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 pitch yourself. And you're trying to really reach that tipping point. Uh, but now we're seeing all the global players uh, you know, recognizing these markets uh, as, you know, probably opportunities for them. So we're seeing all these companies from the U.S., uh, Canada coming in here as well. Uh, and I, I'd say that's a good thing because now it's not just us, uh, you know, beating that uh, beating that horn. There's, there's a few other companies. There's a lot more education. And, you know, I believe a lot more education is what's going to help us uh, play in, in, in the bigger leagues, right? Because there's a lot more of us talking about this thing, whether it's programmatic or whether it's just out of home with data, powered by data, it all works that way. So as as moving walls, we've, we've always seen ourselves as kind of an Asian-born uh, company. All our technology hubs are in different Asian markets. Uh, and interestingly, some of the few markets we've scaled into outside Asia have been uh, similar markets because they're fragmented. So I would say a, a few years ago, we went into a market like Nigeria, where we partnered with one of the largest local agencies there to launch our uh, solution there. Uh, we are now in a few Middle East markets. We have uh, clients using our technology in markets like Morocco, uh, Kenya, South Africa. Uh, so th there's a lot, a lot of opportunities we see because a lot more countries have just as fragmented out of home uh, industries as you know what we're used to. So for us, it's almost like you know, we're used to this. So, so we know how this works. We know the challenges we're going to face and what these countries and the clients in these countries are going to need uh, to solve uh, what they're trying to solve for. It'll probably sound like a leading question because I wrote it down as you were saying, and then you kind of answered it at the end, but I want to dive in deeper. The fragmentation, is it the same challenges? Like, is it is is it the same set of challenges every country that we go to? We've seen this playbook. We know what it is. Or is it, like, very different? Where Where is that spectrum of... Yeah, I would say it's a bit of both. Uh, so the fragmentation is very similar because a lot of the markets that we've found uh, success in are markets where there aren't dominating media owners, right? So so we're not used to being mm. in markets where uh, two or three media owners dominate 70 to 80% of market share, right? We're used to being in markets where you have 300, 400 media owners, uh, all of different sizes. Wow. Uh, right. So, so we know. And this that, is lots of little markets yeah, too, right? Yeah. Like the scale of this is really yeah. significant. Yeah. Correct. So imagine. Across different you know, format types and like format you've got types, language yeah. differences, you've got yes. currency and exchange rate. Like, like that's a whole different set of problems than working yeah. within the confines of 50 United States. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so like you said, there's language as well. And then you look at the, their, their own technology, right? We have to assess what kind of CMS they have, what kind of media players they have. And a lot of the solutions we've ended up building have been because of this. So because of this reason, we've had to build a CMS as well. We've had to give out the CMS to a lot of media owners who would need uh, such technology to support automated buying, to support programmatic uh, and we're, we're used to these challenges by now. So we, we know we have a playbook when we go in, we know they're going to be these kind of media owners. And this is the, these are the challenges the agencies are facing because of the fragmentation. So we know exactly what uh, to go in with and, and what's going to work. 
but you can never account for the language challenges. And that's probably one of the reasons we need uh, on-ground teams uh, to, to solve for a lot of these things. It's just incredible. The scope of, of the, like the undertaking, like being in the, in the foxhole as my, uh, as my good friend Greg Wise at one screen says, like seeing the 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 rounds coming down range at you, if you will, um, here and then understanding like what that actually is at that yeah. scale is is just awe awe inspiring. So um, just yeah, just kind of <laughs> just kind of rocked there for a second. There's another thing that I was just you know looking at in the research leading up to this and we're talking about it now but blockchain 2 years ago you were doing stuff on blockchain yeah. you were doing contracts like is that still is that a focus of the business abroad is that something that that needs to be on the radar for companies building here domestically yeah so so how we how we got into this is that uh Verification is something that's uh, very new to a lot of our markets. And by verification, it simply means that those who are booking or buying ads on screens, before we even get to programmatic, they, they don't even know uh, how many times these ads played, right? You're, you're doing bookings as if you're you're buying a static out of or, or classic out of home campaign. Uh, you, you get an estimate and say you, you'll have a million plays across 2000 screens, for example. But then you don't really get any reporting when the campaign is going on. Uh, so we, we saw this as a problem, uh, a problem that was getting bigger because the number of formats and number of screens, right? You could buy a residential screen network that had 300, 400 screens. How are you going to keep track that what you invested in actually got delivered? So we, we worked with a company that was doing blockchain uh, verification or looking at building blockchain powered verification solutions for the digital space. Uh, and, and we tried to partner with them to figure out how can we implement this for out of home. Right, because in out of home, you also have multiple players. You have media owners, you have agencies, uh, you you have the clients. So, how do we bring in uh, that kind of immutable nature of verification that only uh, blockchain powered verification could provide uh, to out of home media? So, we ran a, a couple of pilots. Uh, the first one was for a food delivery brand, uh, which is you know called Food Panda. Here is quite popular across this this region, and they were running a campaign across. 2,000, 3,000 screens, and we were able to provide them reporting independently because everything was recorded on the blockchain to say which screens were delivering against what they had booked uh, and, and how was that being delivered throughout the campaign. And th that was a while back, and, and I can firmly say verification is probably a lot more you know well-known now. You have well-known companies even from uh, Australia and New Zealand who are, who are trying to now break into these markets and, and launch their solutions. So our stance on verification uh, now has been that, you know, we, we have a solution for it, but we're open to partnering any independent verification solutions as well. So we are working with the likes of uh, IAS right now to kind of pilot uh, verification for out of home. A very basic problem, right, before you even get into programmatic and everything else, which is you're only going to give confidence to clients once uh, you know, they have an idea that whatever they're investing in is actually being delivered on, on the screens. 
And the word confidence brings me back to a question that I jotted down from something you'd mentioned earlier about solving the fragmentation and, and it, it was almost implied. So I wanted to come back and explore it more. Uh, I wanted to come back and explore it more solving the fragmentation. How much of a key was that to unlocking demand? You had said, the words agencies and solving fragmentation within the same sentence structure, I think, and, and that kind of triggered the thought. How important yeah. is that? Yeah, I would say solving for the fragmentation is, is the most fundamental thing uh, any out-of-home technology provider could do for a lot of these markets, uh, simply because when, when we started, and even in some markets now, uh, you don't really have a single view of what assets are available in a market. Uh, you, you don't really know that because we, we don't have, uh, for example, a geopath or even the industry associations who keep track of all of this, right? Because you have so many media owners, mm -hmm. some may be members of associations, some some media owners just own two or three assets and you know, they're happy just working with that. So th the initial uh, kind of solution we had to solve for fragmentation was to create a registry of all billboard assets uh, in any market that we go into. And, uh, you know, this meant really figuring out who all the different media owners were, uh, you know, teach them how to use an inventory management tool, how to keep their inventory up to date. Because once you have that inventory discovery place, uh, discovery piece in place, uh, then it's easier to go to an agency and say, you know, or, or a brand and say that, here you have a single view of every single out-of-home media asset uh, across the market, which, uh, like I said, in many markets, you still don't have this. It's still very much dependent on specialists. You have to work with specialists to figure out what's available and what's not. How many countries do you have coverage in and how many pieces of inventory yeah, uh, I would say uh, you know, we our strongest presence is still in Southeast Asia, where we're present in markets like uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, and India. Uh, then we go into Middle East, uh, where we have a presence in UAE, uh, Saudi, Qatar, some of the other nearby markets like Morocco and Egypt. Uh, then we also have a presence in West Africa, South Africa, East Africa, and uh, now through a partnership in Latin America as well. Uh, so I would say in terms of markets, uh, 30 to 40 plus markets where we're present in. And probably when it comes to inventory, we could be looking at you know, 150 or 200,000 plus uh, media sites that are captured on our platform across all these uh, different markets, uh, both a combination of static and digital out of home, since our platform supports uh, all, all sorts of formats. This seems like a good place to plug the best way to get in touch with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you can always reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, look for me, Mehul, Mehul Mandalia. Uh, connect with me. I'm, I'm always uh, happy to talk out of home, uh, talk about whatever new stuff is coming up in this space. Uh, or you can reach out to me on email, which is Mehul, M-E-H-U-L, at movingwalls.com. Uh, reach out to me wherever you feel uh, more comfortable. Cool. And we'll link to that. And that'll be in the show notes. So wherever you're listening or if you're watching, it's someplace close by. Behold, this has been like a super awesome conversation. I've got a page full of scribbles at this point. Um, 
and probably a million more questions that I would love to ask you. So I think that it's befitting we, we put a part two on the books uh, very soon. What's your big prediction next 12 to 18 months? What do you see as a as something that we need to be paying attention to as an industry, something that you want to be on the record uh, that we can look back in this time capsule and say what what did what did we say back in uh, in, in Q three of twenty twenty two? Yeah, yeah, I think I think definitely this is something that we've been shouting out for a while now as as a company, which is that uh, programmatic, and I think we discussed this. Programmatic is getting all the focus right now, especially in the out of home space, and for good reason as well, because programmatic is what is getting other people outside out of home interested in us. Uh, but I believe over the next uh, five, ten years, it's really the static out of home piece uh, or the classic out of home piece that also still accounts for a majority of inventory across all our markets. Uh, we'll also get a solution for automated discovery, bookings, measurement, and everything else. So I, I believe the focus over the next decade is going to be on really standardization. Uh, across these new markets, standardization of of formats, of how bookings are made, of how inventory is discovered, uh, very similar to Open Direct, what Open Direct is doing in the UK, for example. If if we have solutions like these that come up in a lot of these emerging markets, that that is what's going to be a game changer for uh, out of home as a space. What's a market that marketers need to pay attention to? Yeah, I would I would definitely say uh, Indonesia. Uh, it, it's a market that came out of the blue for us uh, as well. You know, we had a few media owners reach out to us from Indonesia a while back, uh, and when we really started going into that space, we realized that you know out of home uh, is is so is already huge there, even though the the amount of digital inventory. Uh, compared to the classic inventories, a lot less than in other markets like Singapore, like Malaysia, like Thailand. But because of Indonesia's really fragmented nature, not just in terms of media owners, but it's a country that's built with thousands of islands, right? So, uh, and and probably what is you know one of the lar- the world's largest populations uh, and rising middle class. It's really a huge uh, opportunity for out of home to scale and new solutions to scale into. Uh, and even for us, it's quickly, like within the space of a year, it's become our most uh, important market. So I, I would definitely say that it, it's a market with a lot of challenges uh, uh, because of its fragmentation, but it's definitely one of the most exciting markets in Southeast Asia. Uh, wow. And also probably because my wife is Indonesian, <laughs> that that's probably why I also get a bit more excited about it. Good on you. Just recently <laughs> married. Congratulations again, my friend. Uh, do you, you have a thanks, favorite yeah. piece? You're welcome. Do you have a favorite piece of, of inventory, a, a, a piece that just like stands out to you? Like, like that's, that's mine. That's my favorite right there. Yeah. On, honestly, not a favorite uh, piece of inventory, but I, I've always liked uh, wall facade screens for some, some reason, like screens that are pasted on, on the faces of buildings. Just because these buildings would just be flat or have some kind of a you know board on them anyway, but the moment you put a digital LED on the facade of any any building, it just transforms uh, what that building looks like, and and you just recognize it and say you know that's that mall or that's that that office space because of that screen on it. So I I really think wall facade screens can do a lot for you know what a regular building could look like. 
that's a powerful, that's a really powerful ownership concept of, of yeah. being a landmark. That's, that's yeah. really significant. I think that that's a good exclamation point to, to end on. Well, this has been awesome. We're going to put part two on the books real soon. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, definitely. So, so excited to finally be on this and yeah, looking forward to, to many more conversations with you, Tim. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you. If you found this to be helpful, please share it with somebody else who could benefit. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, leave a review wherever you're watching or listening to this. Until next time. We'll see you. Quarter century, I finally came to my senses. I finally got my hand up on the tinted Benz kid. I see the world clear through my tinted lenses. With the dream and the drive, the possibilities endless. Now print that, send this all the way to Tokyo. Take a trip down south, down to Mexico. Next stop, Shanghai, the world class trade show. First class all the way, cause that's how we roll. Yeah, call us the rock star businessman. Rocking shows, we handle business, man. We got our own future in the palm of our hands. Cause divided